I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guests appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports Tennessee app today with Jason and John, live from the Topps Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. You know what you love him? He is the great Jason Fitch from Spain and Fitz. All over ESPN, hosting college football shows, sports center on Snapchat. You know the vibes. He joins us every Monday. He is here with us now. Fitz, what's up, brother? Man, just living that dream. What a like what a weird weekend. Like we're at this point. I know we're gonna talk about many things, but we're at the spot where like everything you think you can rely on in the NFL, you can't anymore. Yep. Like Brady sucks. The Bucks sucks. Rodgers is no good. Mike Tomlin's team's bad. Like, I don't know what we could actually take away anymore. It's wild. Yeah, and I think that's a really natural place to start. Um, you know, you look at that Buccaneers team, and you know they, they, they get handled by a Christian McCaffrey-less, uh, you know, starting caliber quarterback-less Carolina Panthers team, and, and they're in free fall. Um, is that something that can get fixed? Or is there something deeper going on there? Yeah, I don't think it can get fixed. And look, like the crazy thing is that this was in a game that, you know, Brady didn't have a bunch of turnovers. It wasn't like a, a person you could look at and say, oh, okay, well, here was the problem. No, I mean, I, I think everything's the problem. Nothing looks easy for them. And, and, you know, we keep seeing the Mike Evans drop touchdown pass. But that's just a small indication of a team that's just off kilter. They have all their weapons. They're just not good. And, Everything looks off, and then you, you start to wonder about all the personal life rumors with Brady and the way he prepares. It just makes you wonder if, like, this is just one of those years where nothing is going the way they expect it to, and I don't know what fixes that quickly or easily. I don't think anything does. The, the weird part about it is they're, they're probably going to win their division because their division's awful. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is that's not what we judge the Bucks by. Like, if the Bucks get into the playoffs and get blown out in the first round, was that a success for Tom Brady? No. What about the Packers? What's going on? How, how much of this is Devontae? How much of this is fixable? Because to your point, this one isn't a deal where you're, you're in position still to win your division. Like, you, you, if you fall too far behind here, and maybe you're looking at you're out of the wild card spot, how, how fixable or unfixable is Green Bay? Yeah, I don't think Green Bay's fixable either, just because, to your point, uh, I mean, I think Minnesota's a pretty good football team, and Minnesota's going to win that division. So, now that we got that going, now Green Bay's got to make the uh, wild card, and the, the way the NFC's played out so far, it's been kind of interesting. But what's crazy to me is that we're not seeing Aaron Rodgers even try to hide his frustration, his anger with the way everything's going down. And I don't think that that's healthy either. Like, when you've got a quarterback with, you know, lip reading, looking at the sideline, saying, what the hell are we doing? Like, it just 
every time we see a bad play, we see a reaction from Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, there's this, this level of, I, I know he's, he's a great quarterback. I get it. And I realize he's become a polarizing figure for a lot of different reasons, but he's acting like a petulant child on the field. Every time things don't go his way, I don't know how you fix that. And it doesn't seem like Lafleur has any interest in stopping that. So it just feels toxic. Everything. When you watch Green Bay from a distance, it just feels like a team that doesn't like each other. That doesn't want to be, it, it's like watching the Lakers play. It's, it's gross because you can feel the, the, the ickiness and everything that they're doing. And I don't know what fixes that for Aaron Rodgers or for Green Bay. You know what doesn't fix it? I know Aaron is hoping it does, is a matchup with the Bills. Because they are not the team, right, to let you fix you against them this year. I mean, that, that's the wrong thing coming in terms of Aaron Rodgers thinking, okay, well, maybe we'll fix it Sunday night against the Bills. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing with Green Bay. They're not a good football team but they're a big football brand with a big football quarterback brand. And that means teams will still get up for playing them. It doesn't matter what the Packers look like right now. The Bills are going to bring everything to that game because in their yep. mind, they're taking on the Packers yep. and they're taking it on Sunday night. And it's Aaron Rodgers. Like you're going to have a fired up Bills team. They could run that team out of the, uh, out of the stadium by 30. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. We're talking to uh, Jason Fitz here on the show. Join us every single Monday. Um, if if obviously I don't, it's Brady's addressed it. He said, you know, I'm not going to retire midseason. I'll take him at his word. Um, <clears throat> what do you think the chances are that he's playing somewhere else next season, or, or or do you think he says this is it? I don't know. I'm I go back and forth. Like, does he want to does he want to challenge somewhere else now that he's going to have some free time? Yeah. Well, this is not the way he wanted to go out, right? And the question is, where can he go that he can win a Super Bowl right now? Because if you're Brady. You're not going anywhere just to make the playoffs. Wherever you go, it would only be because you think you can win a Super Bowl today. And I don't know that there's a lot of teams that can surround him with more than what the Buccaneers have tried to surround him with. So I think it would take a team deciding that they want to implode everything to, to build around Brady for a one-year Super Bowl run. And that, you know, that maybe that's worth it. Maybe it's not. So I, I think it's more likely he steps away from the game and then immediately takes a you know his huge money deal to become a TV guy at Fox and, you know, and they can stay around football that way. I, we have to remember that this isn't going to be like it was for so many players that leave and then they have no idea what they're doing with their life. He's not leaving the game when he's 28 trying to figure out life. He's leaving in a layer spot walking directly into broadcasting where he'll still have camaraderie and a locker room vibe and be around football all the time. So I, I think it's more likely he's done. What's the bigger story here, Fitzy? You know, what the Titans have done in terms of turning it around, and I'll admit I was one of the people that was hammering them after the 0-2 start, or the fact that Frank Reich cannot get over the Titans. Lovey Smith was once fired, I think it was a 10-win season because he couldn't beat Green Bay anymore. Should Frank Reich be held to the same standard considering the fact that the Titans have got ownership papers on him? A hundred percent, you know, and I, I cannot believe like when we talk about coaches, this should be absolutely in every hot seat conversation. How's Rice not there? Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand that the organization did not expect, you know, to be hiring Frank Reich at one point. They didn't expect Andrew Luck to walk away at another point. But how many stabs do you get at the quarterback position? And then when you get the guy that you think you've got and, and you know, you've had multiple opportunities to get it. Now, all of a sudden, the offensive line is playing suspiciously bad for no like none of us can figure out why the offensive line has been such a detriment. If you look, the pocket was collapsing in that game so quickly. And I'm looking at an offense where, yep. again, I keep saying this, but nothing looked easy for the Colts. And, you know, that doesn't make any sense when you're supposed to have one of the best offensive lines. You absolutely have one of the best running backs. 
and it didn't help you at all. I mean, the Titans clearly looked like the better football team in that match. Out, outcome be damned. The, the Titans look like a better team, and that is a statement to where the Colts aren't right now because I, I think the Titans have turned around and they're a pretty good football team, mm-hmm. but the Colts were supposed to be better than they are. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McSchmaffrey, Patrick Holmes, <laughs> don't give a damn about that it, acquisition. It's, it's early. I'm not – I mean, I, yeah, for that. I'm not, I don't mean in terms of, oh, Chris McCaffrey, but, but more so the, the Chiefs for sure. going into, you know, San Francisco. And they look real tough in those nice uniforms, but it did not matter. What, what kind of a statement was that yesterday from the Chiefs handling the 49ers that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the Chiefs are just continually reminding us that if the Bills are one, then they're 1A in the conference. And, you know, it, it is is—it's surprising to me. I thought that, you know, the loss of Tyreek Hill would mean more to their overall offensive productivity. It hasn't, you know, and I think both could be true. I think Marcus Spears said this yesterday on Twitter. Like, I, I can say that I think the Chiefs would be even better with Tyreek Hill, but I can also say that they don't really miss him, which is kind of strange to be in that win-win scenario, right? Like, they'd be better – if they had him, but they're still better than most without him. And uh, the way that that, uh, that Mahomes is playing right now is so in control of everything. That's the one thing I think we constantly forget about the Chiefs is continuity between not just Mahomes, but also the enemy, uh, you know, that's constantly a conversation. And, you know, the, the, the what they've got with Andy Reid. You, you've got a coaching staff and a quarterback that are on the same page in everything they do, and it feels like they're finishing each other's sentences on the field. So – You've got a quarterback that's able to execute on on program when he needs to, on time when he needs to, but they can also turn around and improvise when he needs to. There's there's a level of comfort in everything they're doing that just makes Kansas City better, and their communication is better, their offense is better timed because of it. it it's really it's it's a delight to watch. Other than the fact that I hate the Chiefs, you're watching a team that is just absolutely showing you how good football can be when you can keep the same group together. Fitzy, I'm, I'm fascinated by what Dion is doing down at Jackson State. Obviously got game day headed down. It, it's fantastic for Jackson State. I'm also fascinated to see what happens with him because you figure that that there are going to be offers perhaps, and and, and maybe it's a Georgia Tech, maybe not. My, my question for you on Dion is do you wait on Florida State like, if, even if it's not going to be this year, maybe you've got an offer, Georgia Tech. Do, do you turn that down and wait on Florida State if you're him, knowing, look, I'm always going to be successful at Jackson State, so I'll always have that chance to, to jump from over there. I, I just wonder, is he risking it if you take another one, maybe en route back to a Florida State, and you fail there? What, what do you think Dion should do if the offers start now and yet it's not Florida State right now? Yeah, I think you wait. If you're Dion. You're not going anywhere that's less than rock star status where you can be an annual contender for a national championship. So I think if you're Dion, you're staying away from the SEC, right? Because you, there's, there's absolutely no reason for you to get into a world where you have to compete right. with the rock star coaches and Nick Saban there. Florida State makes so much sense for him. It also makes sense because of the recruiting area they're in. And frankly, it makes sense because they have the collectives to turn around and, and get the players that they want. You know, Florida State wasn't afraid to go in and put in a, a bid for Quinn Ewers, right? So they, they tried to acquire the best of the best. And you get a rock star coach, that'll happen. I mean, let, let's be real. If you're Dion, you're looking at every college in the country right now saying, game day came here because of me. Yep. And that's, that's fact, right? Like, so uh, the, the interesting side note of it is, though, the, the more that we pay attention to Dion with the HBCU tie, the more I wonder if he feels some pressure to continue to be the face 
of HBCU. Sure. So, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword for him. But, yeah, I don't think Dion goes anywhere until it's absolutely perfect. So it's cute when schools like Georgia Tech want in on that conversation. But Dion right now is, is absolutely infallible. He could win a bunch of games where he is and continue to be a rock star right. until he gets the absolute best job That's available. Uh, another intriguing storyline in college football is is what happened over the weekend with Clemson, who is now eight and zero, top five in the country, six and zero in the ACC. They were down twenty one to ten at halftime, and then ultimately Dabo made the quarterback switch, going from DJU uh, to Cade Klubnik. Now, look, he wasn't really good; he didn't really do anything. But there is no doubt that there was a shift in just the way that that team responded to that shift. So, is this is this it for DJU? Should it be it for DJU? What do you make of that move this weekend by Dabo? Well, I really like what you just said because Klubnik wasn't good, right? Two of four passing, I think, was the final line on it. Let's not pretend. But the team was much better with him. I mean, there was a spark to it, right? So I think what makes sense here is you go back to DJ because you're rewarding somebody that's giving you the opportunity. But you know that you can bring in Klubnik off the bench whenever you need to. And if it happens again, then you make the switch permanently. Because I don't think you can go to Klubnik and then go back to DJ, right? So knowing that the schedule isn't going to give them a lot of difficulty, you want your quarterback to be as confident as possible going into the the ACC championship game and likely the college football playoff. It's interesting because I'm just not sure that Clemson is that good, right? Like I, I, I think Clemson is where they are because they're Clemson. And every year they come in with some benefit of the doubt. Like I just... I don't think that we've seen enough from Clemson on, on a neutral field today. I think Tennessee would absolutely smack Clemson all over the football field. I think Georgia and Alabama would too, but I think Ohio State would. I think Michigan would be Clemson. So to me, Clemson's the seventh or eighth best team in the country right now, but they have a real shot at the college football playoffs. So you go back to DJU, you let everything settle down, but if it doesn't work, then you give it one more shot. Then you go to Club Nick permanently. Uh, speaking of smacked, Hugh Freeze just smacked BYU. If you were Auburn, would you hire him? Oh, God. I mean, it, oh, no. Here we I go. I, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't because he's Hugh Freeze, right? And, like, I have some moral fiber that I think belongs to the person that represents my my, my institution of higher learning, which I say, you know, grossly. Uh, but would Auburn look at him? Yeah. I mean, Hugh Freeze can coach. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the SEC wants coaches that – can come in and, and score a bunch of points and be dynamic. And, you know, if you go to Auburn, you know what you're getting. You're getting the, the opportunity to be in a program that the expectation is that you win nine games and every three, four years you pop up and try and get yourself into a, a national championship conversation. And Hugh Freeze can probably do that. It's just if you want to dance with the devil, and I personally, I think that, you know, we shouldn't do that, but will they do that? Yeah, and it'll make a lot of sense. Uh, I'm going to turn to the NBA just for a second here, Fitz. I was told that the Utah Jazz were tanking <clears throat> and they are undefeated. Um, is this is this a lesson in you cannot expect grown men, professional basketball players, veterans to lose on purpose? I, th- I think that's what the Jazz are finding out. Yeah, well, and it's, it's what you just said is so key because organizations can try to, to tank. But it's the players on the court and the players on the field that have the final say in it, which is why tanking in the NFL is so difficult. You really have to build a roster that is so impossibly bad that they can't win football games. And in the NBA, we've gotten used to the concept of tanking, but I think that there's also a fire in the belly of some of these players that read all the tanking articles and look around and say, hey, you know what, in an NBA where the regular season is played at about 60% energy most of the time, if you come out with 100% energy because you want to prove the world wrong – 
you have an immediate advantage. And I, the Utah is one of the more surprising stories early on in the season because they are playing with a fire, right? And so if they continue to do that, the Jazz are going to be in a weird situation where they're going to have to look around and either try and ask these guys to play with less, which is virtually impossible, or they're going to have to try and figure out how to minimize what guys are maximizing on the court, also difficult to do. So I would love to see Utah continue to tear it up just because it throws a wrench in the plans of organizations that are out there hoping the draft can fix them. Fitzy, last thing, and, and I want to keep it quiet. I mean, we're only three games in, but it's very exciting. John, we may have the, the scoring leader this season in the NBA. John Morant's averaging 34.3 points. He's second, I think, to Tatum to start this season. It's feeling like maybe a special – and listen, Dylan's got to come back. Jaron's got to come back. Josh having to do a lot early, but I don't think it's crazy anymore, anymore to think this guy could lead the league in scoring perhaps. He's playing with a level of joy that I think we all have to press the pause button on and just watch. Like, that's the thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching John because I love you guys and because I love Memphis, and I've watched all of these games. And every time I watch him play, it's like watching a kid on the playground. And then turn around and watch the rest of the NBA. Ask yourself how many, even of the young guns, how many of the guys playing in the league right now are playing with the carefree joy that John ja plays with. And it's just different. It just hits different. It looks different. It, everything about it feels different. There is something special happening, not for the future, but for right now for Memphis. And when you watch Ja play this way, and then you turn around and watch guys like even Brown and Tatum, and you watch the Celtics, you watch young guys that, that feel the weight of the world on their shoulders to try and win. For whatever reason, Ja's able to do what he does and does it in a way that it feels like he's doing it with carefree, you know, whimsy, it's as dumb as that sounds. It's fun to watch, and it's unstoppable when you're playing with that level of freedom. Hey, Fitz, always a You're unstoppable, you didn't, uh, you didn't get out to Vegas to see Iggy Azalea at the half? I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed they booked Iggy Azalea. What are we doing? Like, come on. <laughs> we can do better than that, Vegas. Let's go. Has been. Yeah, she said you <laughs> – she said you would be – this is what she said. She said you would be depressed. She was going back and – she was going at uh, Tayshawn Reed, the Raiders beat writer for The Athletic. And no. Because he said uh, the combination of Allegiant Stadium trying to make barbecue and Iggy Azalea performing at halftime is making me depressed. And she, <laughs> and, and she responded and said, if you think you're depressed now, I'll spare you the tears you'd cry knowing what my paycheck was to come and jiggle a little ass. Dang. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is nothing little that about is, that. That's right. That, you know what? I'd rather see Wayne Newton play halftime. I'm just saying that's ooh, it. That's ooh, it. Ooh. We're gonna go if we're gonna go like dated stars. Let's go dated enough that they're legends. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Fitz, appreciate you Have as a great always, week, man. Brother. Appreciate you guys. Yep, he is Jason Fitz joining Service Single Monday here yep. on. Y'all get show. off Iggy. She's already taking enough heat. I'm, I'm from all, the beat right now. Fitzy's hitting her. You're hitting her. I'm a fan of Iggy for sure. Though. Did she really say to jiggle a little t- tail? Yes, yes, she said that. No, she didn't. She did. She 100 percent did. And uh, and Tayshawn responded with that Alonzo morning gif of him like shaking his head, but <laughs> so, not okay. Like yeah, kind of makes sense actually when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good stuff, man. Pretty good stuff. Raiders win. Raiders cover. I bring Iggy, bring her back every week. That's just some more of the foolishness by Mark Davis. It is. There's no doubt. Iggy, I'll All right, uh, we'll come back. Jason and John, ninety nine FM, ESPN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.